Good morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley. Uh, I'm Associate Pastor Matt Sprankle, and I'm going to be continuing our series, Here is the Church. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at the upside-down values that come in the kingdom of God and just the way our world responds and how we can live the transformed life that Jesus wants us to have. You may have noticed, maybe you've wondered why it seems like society likes to beat up on the church. I mean, we meet together on Sundays, we help each other, we work together for the common good. When people commit their lives to Christ, um, their lives are transformed. Marriages are restored, families are stronger, uh, people are able to break free from addiction, and all sorts of ills that enslave and, and keep them stuck. And you'd think that this would be a, a great thing that would be appreciated, but honestly, when you listen to uh, the way the church is described in our popular culture, when you look at the way the treat, church is being treated nowadays, it seems, it seems very hostile. What's this all about? Well, there's two very important verses in the New Testament that talk about this. And uh, one of those is uh, the recorded words of Jesus. And the other is a record of the words of the opponents of Christianity as the church began to spread through the New Testament uh, world of the Mediterranean, through the Roman world, as churches were planted around the Roman world, things began to get turned upside down. And there were a lot of people who stood to lose money and power and influence as people were beginning to break free from the things that had enslaved them for so long. The first verse is from Jesus. It's in Luke 16, 15. And Jesus says this to the Pharisees, that were attacking him. Now, this is before the church was established, but this is when the king, Jesus, had come. And so to the king of this new kingdom, they said uh, that he was a false messiah, that he was a liar, that he was uh, working for Satan, and always challenging what he did. And here's what he said to them. You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your heart. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. One of the reasons why there's such a hostility in our world towards the church, towards the kingdom of God, and towards Jesus Christ himself is because what the world values highly, well, that's very low in value in God's kingdom. And what God says is valuable and to be honored is detestable and very low in our world. It's always been this way. So as Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, uh, established his church and sent out his apostles to build churches around this Roman world and around the whole world, things began to change significantly. In some of the cities, there were a lot of people who were into some pretty shady things, and their business model was being disrupted by these Christians who were no longer addicted to drugs and alcohol, who were no longer involved in the sexual immorality that was associated with the temples, who were burning and destroying idols in their own lives and devoting themselves to following Jesus. As this was going on, this was disrupting their business model. And so they were trying to figure out a way to stop the spread of this new kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, that was beginning to penetrate the Roman world. And they tried to accuse the Christians of all sorts of crimes. It was very difficult for them to do. They didn't have a lot of success, but they were good at raising mobs and riots. And in one of these situations, here's what they said. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And that's exactly what was happening, because this world is upside down according to God's standard. And as people began to commit their lives to Christ, their worlds began to be turned right side up. And they began to be broken free from all of the worldly systems that really cause our lives to be wasted and to fill our lives full of wandering. And the people who were losing, people who were losing economically in the situation, they were trying to stop it. This verse, turning the world upside down, that's the that's the theme verse or the key verse for our 17.6 network of churches that Church in the Valley is a part of. 
We're a network of churches that want to raise up people who can walk according to God's word in his kingdom and turn this world upside down for Christ, which is really right side up. The kingdom of God seems upside down to this world because our values and our views and our ways, they're very different. And we don't have to be belligerent about that. We don't have to be in your face. But as we walk with God and obey his word, it's going to be very distinct from the cultures of the world. It always has. If you're a junior high school student or a high school student or in your early 20s and you're trying to figure out what it means to walk with Christ, one of the things that it means is that you're going to be countercultural. There are going to be some things that you can't do. There are going to be some things that you can't say. There are going to be things that you will do and that you will say that others won't. You're going to be living your life in a way that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But as you trust and obey God, as you're faithful to the King Christ Jesus, as you do your part in building his kingdom, he will bless you, he will honor you, and he will give you the very best kind of life that you could ever have. That's his promise to you. And if you're young, you have to trust that promise. And day by day, make decisions to trust in God. And as you do, over time, as you look behind you, you'll see the blessing and goodness of God in your life. I've experienced that. Many of your parents have experienced that. If you're new to Christianity, you'll experience that as well as you follow the king and obey his commands. But this this kingdom we're a part of that Randy looked at last week, our kingdom colony with the values that are very different than the world, uh, it seems upside down to a lot of people. The, the thing about where we are as a kingdom colony is that if you're a part of a colony, it implies that your citizenship is in a different country. And it is, right? We're, we're foreigners, we're strangers, we're aliens. That's the words that God uses to describe us. And but we, we live in the world. We were born in this world. We know this world. So in a way, the world is very familiar to us. But in the middle of this world, we are representatives on behalf of God to this dying world. We now represent this new kingdom. Now, the world we live in, we get it, right? We were raised in it, and we know how to navigate the world for the most part, and we even can enjoy its ways. But if we're not careful, the values that are detestable to God but are highly honored in this world, well, they'll begin to get into our lives, into our hearts, and they will cause us to suffer a lot of trouble and a lot of pain. But once you decide to follow Christ, well, you begin to experience a very different kind of life from everybody else. And we still go through many of the same things, right? We're all going through the coronavirus. But increasingly, if you decide to commit your life to Jesus Christ, to give him your unconditional loyalty, to trust his words, to build your life upon them, well, what's going to happen is you are going to begin to transform. You're going to begin to shift in your views. You're going to begin to shift in your values. And you're going to often find outsiders, people who don't quite understand what God is doing in his kingdom. You're going to find that they're going to blame you and I and the church for the troubles in our society and in our world. When actually we're here as Christians to help. What's going on? What's going on is that when you follow Christ, Christ followers undergo a kingdom shift. There's a shift that goes on in our life. And it's described in Colossians. One of the churches that was started in the Mediterranean world uh, was a church in Colossae. And a church planter named Paul would write them a letter to encourage and help them grow in their faith. One of the things he said is interesting. He said, he, that is God, has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. 
and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We all used to live in darkness. We didn't know the truth. Our hearts were set on things that were detestable to God. And our lives were characterized by trouble and pain and sin. But what God did was he sent his son, Jesus. And what Jesus did was he paid the price for the sins of his people. So that the wrath of God and the punishment of God that we all deserve would no longer be upon us. He took that away by dying in our place. And what he does is tear down the wall that separates humanity from the God who loves them. And now we can come into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And God is the one who transfers us. I became a Christian at 19. That's when God transferred me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And it has been a great thing. It's been the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And that's what God does. We have a new life. We have a new king. We have a growing peace and an ability to deal with things. And this is really important because when times are good, like maybe they were six months ago, people feel like they're able to handle things on their own. But when you go through a global pandemic and a lockdown and an economic you know, depression and you have riots on the streets and everything seems upside down to our world, that's when you figure out just how much resources and strength and peace you have inside. And what you find is on your own, you don't have a lot. But when God is with you, when God is helping you, when you depend and trust on him, you can walk through any fire. You can walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death because God is with you. And that's what we get in this new kingdom. But it all happens in the same old world. So we're this kingdom colony with these upside down values to the world. The world is pretty hostile towards all of us and the values that we have and the way that Christ wants us to live our lives. And we're doing it inside of this world. Now, you may ask yourself, why is it that the Lord doesn't just take us out of the world? Why doesn't he just snatch us out as soon as we become Christians? Well, because he has work for us to do. Jesus prayed uh, right before he was crucified for the church, for you and for I. In John 17, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. The word of God is primarily the reason why the world is hostile to the church, because we are the bearers of the truth. We carry the word of God into this world. And the world, the word of God, as we saw earlier, tells us that there are a lot of things that are valuable to this world that are actually very low in value to the Lord. And so as we bring the word into this world, the world tends to be pretty hostile. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So the Lord doesn't want the Father to take us out of the world when we transfer from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. But rather, Lord Jesus is praying that God will protect us from the enemy who's actually behind this world system, puppeting it like a puppet master. God is praying, uh, the Lord Jesus is praying that we would be strengthened in this world. So we have this new life, we have this new king, but we're still in this old world. And the Lord has left us here for two reasons. The first reason is that he wants us to grow, to transform amidst the challenges. The hard things we face in life, they have a totally different purpose now. A lot of times the trouble in our life has come upon us because of folly or because of sin. Sometimes it's mistakes and sometimes it's other people's choices. There's a curse on this world, so there's trouble like the coronavirus. So there are a lot of factors involved, but much of the time in our lives prior to following Christ, trouble comes and things get harder and worse. It's very difficult to, to grow and transform through it. But when you follow Christ, what he does is he uses the trouble in your life to transform your character, to become more and more like him, 
to make you a new kind of person so that you can live in this new kingdom with him today, tomorrow, and on forever. We as Christians are being transformed into new kinds of human beings. The model of the kind of human being that we're becoming is Jesus. If you want to know what God the Father wants all of us to be, look at Jesus. And Jesus is using the trial and the trouble and the difficulty to transform his disciples into the new kind of humanity that God is creating. Now, it's like a butterfly. If you've ever seen a caterpillar go into a cocoon and start to come out as a butterfly, it takes a long time. There's a lot of struggle. But that struggle is what is used to push the fluids necessary to fully grow those wings. If the butterfly was to get some assistance, if I was to say, oh, that's a, that's a horrible struggle the butterfly's going through. I'm going to cut open the cocoon and, and let it out. Then the fluids that need to be pushed into the wings, that would never happen. The butterfly would be crippled and it would die. The struggle to get out of that cocoon is the very process that brings the full development of this butterfly. And that's a good comparison to what it's like for us as Christians. As we go through trial, trusting and obeying God, he transforms us. Trial transforms us. And that's one of the things the Lord is doing, leaving us here in this world. And that's important to remember. In every trial and every difficulty, if you walk with God through it, he will redeem it. What that means is he'll use the bad things and the hard things for your good. And that's a great hope to have in the middle of difficult circumstances. But while this goes on, the world is always tempting us. So our world that we're around, that we're in, is also tempting us as we're trusting and obeying the Lord and transforming. And the world tempts us with all sorts of things, with its delights. If you read 1 John 2, 15 through 17, you can see the list that's summarized. But basically, it's beauty to possess things. That's something the world tempts us with. It's passion to gratify things. And it's ways to parade our importance. The way I memorized it is it's pleasure, possessions, and position. The world is offering me pleasure, possessions, and position. That's the gospel. If I have that stuff, if I experience things and enjoy these pleasures, if I can just move up the social ladder, then I'll be saved. Then my life will count. Then I'll be happy. That's the gospel of the world. And the world is always tempting and kind of holding these things out for us so that we'll get off track. One of the things that you can do as a Christian to sharpen your mind, to recognize this temptation, something you can do with your children to help them grow in discernment, is as you watch television, watch commercials, as you watch movies, begin to ask the question, what are they offering me? Is it pleasure? Is it possessions or position? Which of these three things... Is this commercial, this advertisement, this show, this person saying, I need to get in order to be happy, in order to be safe, in order to feel fulfilled? That's what the world is tempting me with and you with, as God is transforming us through the trials. So what the point of that is, is so that our lives are going to be used up. They're going to be wasted. We're going to be spending our time and our energy and our resources on things that are important. And we're going to miss the purpose and the good things that God has for us. These temptations cause us to waste our lives. Now, the world, it can't give you a rich life. That comes through Christ, through walking with him. If you do that, he'll give you freedom through the truth. You'll be free from fear, fear free from anxiety. You can be free from all sorts of destructive emotions. You can begin to get the truth that transforms your mind so you can see the schemes and strategies that others are using to get you to wander off. And you'll experience an abundant and rich and full life. Jesus said in John 10.10, that's why he came, to give us an abundant life. Now, if you're younger, 
one of the disadvantages of being in your teens or your early 20s is that you have more life in front of you, normally, than you do behind you. And so it's very easy to think that, you know, if I do this or if I do that, it's, it's all the same. And to not have the, the benefit of hindsight. But I can tell you personally that from the time that I graduated from college all the way through my 20s, uh, that's when Facebook started, you know, really growing and being successful. And I would watch as friends of mine began to slowly wander off, slowly stop trusting God and start trusting these gospels of pleasure, possession and position. They began to give in to the temptations that were being held out in front of them. And it caused all sorts of damage. And many of you have seen the same thing. We share this with our kids, with our grandkids. These stories are not to shame anyone, but they're to teach the reality that you can trust God if you walk with him, if you obey him, if you trust him, if you adopt his values, which are upside down to this world, you can build a life of blessing. But if you wander off chasing after the world, it builds a life of pain. And that's an important thing to know, because what's being sold to you by our world is honestly, it's a false product. The world is going to pressure us to conform. It's going to try to squeeze us into its mold. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And what that means is our world, which is, again, upside down to the kingdom of God, pretty hostile to the things that God says and the things that God wants. Our world wants us to adopt its values. It wants us to adopt its views and it wants us to adopt its virtues. When it comes to views, our world wants to tell us how things really are. Who are the authorities on knowledge? Who you can trust to tell you what's the real real? Don't trust the Bible. It's not reliable. It's a book of superstition and, and false stories. Don't believe God's word. We're the experts. We know we'll tell you the truth. The views of the world is one of the ways that we get squeezed into the mold. The world tells us what we should value, what's most important in life, what we should chase after, what we should make our goals in life. And the world is always telling us what's right and wrong. And that moral standard is constantly changing, as you know. There are things today that are being held up as good, which are an abomination to God. And just 10 years ago, we're an abomination to the majority of our culture. And so our world is constantly wandering and moving and changing. It's not fixed and true and sound like God and his word. And so as Christians, we have to know that we are a part of a kingdom. That kingdom has an upside down set of values to our world. And we have to be prepared we have to have our guard up so that we're not easily tempted and led astray. Something else God does is he wants our character to grow as we keep trusting him amid the challenges. He wants to, like I said, transform our character so that it's more and more like Christ. The second reason why the Lord leaves us here on earth in the midst of this world that's pretty hostile to his kingdom is he wants us to help other people amidst the challenges. He wants us to do good to the people we encounter and also people who are outside of the church. He wants us to love and bless our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as our neighbors and our relatives and, and those who live amongst us and around us. Because we're God's ambassadors. We're representatives. And we're calling people to be reconciled to God. And as they come around the church where we love one another and we serve one another and we, we host one another and we share with one another and we encourage and advise one another, as we speak the truth and love to one another, they begin to get a taste of a different culture. They begin to experience the sweetness of the kingdom. And that's how I came to Church in the Valley. 
When I first came here to Church in the Valley, it was because I went to a, a move. A, a couple was moving from one house to another. Now, when I was growing up, moving was like the worst thing because it took a week and it felt like you work all day and you go in at night and there would be the same number of boxes as when you started. You know, nobody wanted to come help you. It was just miserable. And we moved a couple times when I was a kid. And I remember I went to this move expecting it to be like that. But when I got there, I experienced something totally different, which was there was over 20 people helping, giving their Saturday. And they were having fun and they were creating a line from the truck to the house and they were laughing. And it was a totally different experience. And what I, what I saw was people loving and serving each other. You have stories like that, being a part of Church in the Valley. Maybe that's why you came to Church in the Valley, because you saw that kind of love in our culture. We don't talk bad about one another. That's something that you hear a lot when people come around Church in the Valley is there's no gossip, there's no bad-mouthing. But rather we love and speak well of each other. And that's, that's a kingdom characteristic. And so we want to be ambassadors of Christ, reaching out to the people around us, inviting them to discover Christ, through his life-changing community here at Church in the Valley. And that's one of the reasons the Lord has left us here. But we have to resist the pressure. We have to resist the pressure to adopt the values of an upside-down world and instead choose to live a life that pleases God. Again, Romans 12 is a key passage, and I'd like to read it again, but I'd like to read a paraphrase that was written by uh, the former pastor of Hope Church in Texas, Harold Bullock, because I think it captures... Uh, the key ideas in this passage, and again, a paraphrase is not a translation of the Bible. It's rather an attempt to catch the key concepts in the passage. So here it is, Romans 12, to paraphrase. Do not model yourself after the pattern the world uses. Rather, transform yourself by renovating your mindset. That's your thoughts, emotions, and choices. And then you'll be able to recognize what God's will is for you. And his will will always turn out to be completely good for you, pleasing to you, and flawless. You want to recognize what God's will is, you have to allow him to renovate your mind. And when you renovate a building, it takes time. And it takes time to transform or renovate your mind, your emotions, your thoughts, your desires. But if you'll be faithful to take God's word and try to apply it to your lives, he'll begin to wash your mind of all sorts of things that are just going to get you into trouble. It's actually a lot like 3D printing. I don't know if you're familiar with 3D printing, but it's a, it's a new technology that's being used commercially, and it's pretty popular. And I'd like to show you a video that kind of explains what it does, and then I want to talk about how that's a very similar concept to what it means to live in this upside-down kingdom. So let's, let's go ahead and take a look. Traditionally, when you think of printing, you think of printing out something on a piece of paper using ink. Well, 3D printing is actually printing out a physical object. have a digital image that you can create using uh, different animation modeling softwares. You connect this image with your 3D printer and it actually takes that, analyzes it, and it prints it out uh, in physical form layer by layer. If you think about traditional printing, you have syringes with ink. Uh, with 3D printing, you can ha have syringes filled with all different types of liquid consistency. So this could be plastic, this could be rubber, some more advanced ones are using metals. Manufacturers have been using uh, 3D printing for decades, and you can print out car parts. Uh, the aerospace industry uses this, but also more and more you can print out really creative things. Uh, doctors are, are printing out prosthetic limbs. Uh, you can now print out organs. We spoke to a fashion designer who was able to actually uh, 3D print sunglasses that he put on his models for, uh, for fashion week. It used to be that the average person couldn't own one because 3D printers are, were really, really expensive. We're talking like half a million bucks. But now, 
a, a couple different companies came and they said, you know what, we want to make this so average people could have this. You can probably get one for about a thousand bucks. So let's say I had a jacket and I lost my button. I, instead of going and, and trying to go to a store and find a new button, I could actually download the blueprint, connect it with my 3D printer, and I could print out a new button. The people at the forefront of this movement, they say they, they want this to be as common in people's homes as the toaster oven. So you can only imagine that five, ten years down the road, a lot of folks are going to have 3D printers in their home. 3D printing is pretty awesome. I'd like to have one of those myself, and it's a it's pretty cool technology. And what you see is that they're actually producing an, an object. It's not just paper, but it's a three-dimensional object that's created layer by layer over time. And our opportunity is to, pr is to print, 3D print, a new life in this new kingdom, just like you saw in that video. I'd like to read Romans 12:2 again, and I'd like to read another paraphrase. And I'd like to see how that idea of 3D printing kind of combines with what Paul is saying here in Romans 12, 2. If you combine what Paul is saying in Romans 12, 2 with this concept of 3D printing, here's what uh, the verse might say. Don't 3D print the new you according to the blueprint this world uses. Instead, create a new person printed according to God's blueprint. To do that, you will have to renovate your mindset. You'll have to trade your old perspectives for God's perspectives. Trade the old set of emotions that you have previously indulged for the set that God says is healthy and revise what you choose to fit with God's priorities. With a different mindset, you will be able to recognize God's blueprints and not be tricked by cheap imitations. And you will like the new life. Printing the new you according to God's schematic will always lead to what is completely good, pleasing to you, and flawless. There will be no disappointing cracks in the new life you produce. You are printing a new life in this kingdom. And the actions you take are like the syringes in the 3D printing. Your new life is like the product. And to print this new life, you have to make decisions over and over and over again in line with God's blueprint. The first thing you have to do is input God's blueprint for your life. And that's on any topic. Every area of life that matters, God has spoken about and given us a blueprint. You have to input God's blueprint on what right and wrong is, what success looks like. You have to input God's blueprint on your attitude and your emotional patterns. God has a lot to say about how you should run a family, be a husband and a wife, how to work, how to manage your money, decisions, every area of life that matters. God's word gives you the blueprint. And if you'll input that blueprint, and if you'll print according to that schematic, layer by layer, decision by decision, situation by situation, this new life will emerge. So when you get God's blueprint, when you spend time reading the Bible, when you study the scriptures, when you try to learn what God says about a particular area of life, then you need to ask God for help. Ask God to help you to obey. Act and speak in line with God's word. And if you'll do that slowly, just like the object in the 3D printing, I mean, it doesn't happen all, all at once. It takes time for that object to be printed layer by layer. But if you'll do this, if you'll ask God for help, and act on his blueprint, on his word, if you'll do what he says and trust him rather than our world and what it's tempting you to pattern yourself off of, if you'll trust God's blueprint, his pattern, well, 
slowly this new life will emerge if you keep on printing. But if in the middle of the printing you hit the stop button, or if you take out God's blueprint and put in the world's standards, you're not going to get the life that you desire. It's going to be something far worse. And so you have to keep on printing over time. With many actions, this new life will take shape. We live in an upside-down world. And the world is upside down to God. We want to be faithful to God. We want to adopt the kingdom values that we looked at last week in Randy's message on the kingdom colony. We want to take the word of God and make it our guide. Allow God's blueprints to be our blueprints. And situation by situation, choice by choice, word by word, thought by thought, we'll be printing this new life and this new person that God wants us to be. You have to learn, of course, that you live in a world that is tantalizing, that's always holding out for you temptations, pleasure, possession, and position, trying to get you off track, trying to get you to waste your life. And that's because behind our world is our enemy. He is the puppet master. He is the one who's trying to cause us to wander away like the children of Israel who spent 40 years wandering in the desert because they could not let go of the old mind and the old heart that they had in Egypt. And they died in the desert. Only their children went into the promised land. We don't want to be like that generation that wasted their life. We want our lives to count. We want our lives to be happy. We want our lives to be full We want to experience the abundant life that God offers. And that only comes as you begin to adopt the values of the kingdom, as you begin to transform decision by decision, and God will help you. As you do this, the promise in Romans 12 is that God's will will become clearer and clearer to you, which is an amazing thing because if you just know where to go and what to do, you can do it. But oftentimes it's hard to see or hear God's voice. And that's why the transformation of the mind is so important. It's like learning a language. You know, children that are three, four, five years old, they can hear mom and dad talking, but they don't understand what we're saying. But at a certain point, they get to an age where you're in the car and you realize that they're in the back and they're listening and they understand everything you're saying. They are so familiar with the English language. Their their language ability has become so sophisticated that they can understand. They can hear and understand what you're saying. Well, that's a lot like being a citizen in the kingdom of God. There's a language, a language of heaven, and that language is learned from the Bible. And the more of the scriptures that you allow to transform your mind, the clearer you can hear God's voice and understand his will. And then you can do it and be blessed. Life itself will be sweeter. It won't be perfect, but it will be much, much sweeter. So keep printing. Keep adopting God's values. Keep using God's blueprints. And lean in and fully participate in this church, which is a kingdom colony, where you can learn how to live the values and the views and the virtues of the kingdom of Christ. We love one another here. We want to help one another here. We're dedicated to each other and to Christ here. So this is a great time for you to get fully involved, particularly this fall. I hope this has encouraged you and helped you. And I hope that if this has been a help to you, you can share it with someone who you think may benefit from hearing this message. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your son who brings that life from heaven to earth. We thank you that Jesus is the only Savior, the only one who has ever truly done what is necessary 
to reconcile us, the human race, to you, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for our sins, for taking upon yourself the sins of your people and taking down the wrath of God that we all deserve. Thank you that you have entitled us to all the blessings and privileges and rights that you deserve because now we are citizens of this new kingdom. We thank you for our church, Church in the Valley, and we pray your blessing and protection over us. We pray that you would help us to love one another better. That, Lord Jesus, you would teach us how to live our lives according to your blueprints that you have given us through the scriptures. In situation after situation, help us and our children and our families and our friends help us to make the right decisions and to 3D print the new life that you came to give us. Protect us from the evil one. Give us discernment and self-control to resist the world's temptations. Sharpen our minds and transform our minds as we dig in, trust in, and obey your words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.